Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, those online. It's a pleasure having you with us. Thank you for joining us. Are you ready for the word today? Yes. Yes, you ready for the word? Did you enjoy your time of worship this morning, those in the room? Amen, amen. Thanks, Dave, for leading us. Um, it's a real privilege to be here. It's a real privilege to have you as part of this. It really is. Thanks for choosing LifeGate Church as your church. Those online, thanks for choosing to watch. It's a real privilege it has to have you here. And I pray this really blesses you, that God uses this to bring transformation to your life. Let's pray, then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you uh, for who you are and all that you've done for us. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the joy that you put in our hearts. And God, as we come to your word now, we pray, God, that you would move in us, that you would change us, that you would bring transformation to our lives. God, we thank you for the book of 1 Thessalonians, this book that speaks to these brand new believers about how to live. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to read it, and we pray, God, that uh, as as we come to it today, that you would speak to us, that you would bring transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, back in 1984, the movie The Terminator came out. Who's seen this? The Terminator? Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was the, obviously, he looked like me when he was young, big and strong, um, and he, he was the Terminator. And, and the, the story of The Terminator is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a cyborg assassin who's from 2029, he comes back to 1984 to kill this lady named Sarah Connor because she's going to give birth to the saviour of the world, this guy named, whatever his name is, who's going, what's his name? John, John Connor, that's it, isn't it? To John Connor, and, and he's going to stop Judgment Day. He's going to stop the machines taking over the world. Interesting movie, fun movie, and they've uh, done a few since. And this movie talks about Judgment Day, you know, and the Bible also talks about Judgment Day, or an, another way of saying it is the, uh, the uh, Day of the Lord. It's the day when Jesus is going to return, and on that day, he's going to require that every person who's walked on the planet stand before him and give an account of his or her life in front of him, who is the judge. Then on the day when Jesus returns, judgment day, he's going to ask us to stand before him and to give an account of our lives for every word we've spoken, every action we've done, every thought that we had, he's going to ask us to give an account of that day. How does it make you feel? <laughs> Not good, someone said. How does it make you feel? Nervous. Yeah. When I was a, a school kid, I uh, went to the principal's office on a number of occasions. Sometimes it was for negative reasons, and other reasons it was positive for whatever. When I was in year four, I was a naughty little boy, and we had a teacher, and she wasn't so super strong, and there's obviously stuff going on in her world, but as a 10-year-old kid, you don't know anything about that. You're just playing it and seeing how it is. And I had a um, nickname as a kid um, by my soccer coach called Yap Yap. Not sure why they would call me Yap Yap. <laughs> 
And I would do a lot of, there's been talking, I would do a lot of yapping in the classroom and then I'd get moved and eventually sent to the principal's office on multiple occasions when I was in year four. Um, and I'd sit out front of the principal's office and I'd be like fully nervous because I'd know I'd done the wrong thing. And I was really concerned about the judgment that the principal would have over my life, yeah? There were other times when I went to the principal, maybe because the teacher sent me to deliver a message. When I was in year 12, I went to East Hills Boys High School, and the girls' school was across the street. And I had the idea that the boys and the girls who were in year 12 should have lunch together, right? It's my idea. So I went to the principal, knocked on the door. Hi, Nathan. Welcome. We had a wonderful chat. No problems. I was a little bit, a little bit anxious because I was seeing the principal, but I wasn't in trouble, and I thought it was going to be okay. And guess what he said? Yes, great. So I went across the street to see the principal of the girls' school, and she said, no way. Some of the reasons parents send their kids to this school is to keep them away from people like you, she said to me. Um, and, but again, I was a little bit nervous, but I went to see her. You know, and I, I, I share those stories about the, uh, going to the principal because it's a bit like Judgment Day. Because if you go to the principal knowing that you've done the wrong thing, well, you should be very nervous. And as we live our lives and as we stand before him on that day, if we know that we've messed, messed it up, if we know that we've rejected God, that we've got all this sin in our life, man, we should be super nervous about that day because we know judgment is coming and it's not going to be good. But, but if, if you've committed your life to Jesus, if you've asked him to forgive you for your sin, judgment day is nothing to be concerned about. Because how does God see you? He sees you justified. Just like I've never sinned. Did you say holy and blameless, Bradley? What did you say? Yeah, he sees you through the eyes of Jesus, washed in the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1 says he sees you as holy and blameless in his sight. If you're in Christ, if you have been forgiven of sin, all your sin is washed clean. And judgment day, you have nothing, nothing to fear. Nothing to fear because of what Jesus has done for you. Last time I shared with you, I shared the message um, entitled, What Happens When I Die? And we looked at 1 Thessalonians 4, from 13 to the end of the chapter. And in the passage, Paul writes to these brand new Christians and he says, when you die, you don't need to be concerned about them. Because when, when a Christian dies, they simply go to sleep. And I talked about sleep being temporary, that we are sleeping for a temporary amount of time, most likely conscious, until the return of Jesus. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, it describes the events of Jesus' return. It says, Jesus will return visibly with a loud command. There will be an unmistakable cry from an angel. There will be a trumpet fanfare. The trumpet call of God, the most majestic sound you've, you've ever heard. We heard um, downstairs in the prayer meeting that uh, Dave Thomas, is Dave here somewhere? No doubt he is. He used to play violin as a young person. And recently he got his violin out and his wife said, you better put that away. It was that bad. The, 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 the trumpet fanfare of God is going to be nothing like that. It's going, to be, it's going to be an incredible, incredible sound. And then the scripture says that the believers in Christ who, have been, who are dead, who are asleep, will rise first. And then those who are still walking on the planet when Jesus returns will go and be with him in the air. Right? That's what the end of chapter 4 says. Then we hear... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Paul goes on and he tells us what happens next. 
And he tells us about the day of the Lord or judgment day. Let's have a look at this text from 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through um, 11, I think it is, today. Let's have a look at it. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, judgment day, will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. And here he, just, he makes a distinction between being in the light or being in the Lord and being in the darkness, being outside the Lord. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that when we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. I love that verse. Whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This text talks about three things. The first thing it talks about is the day of the Lord or judgment day. Then it, then it refers to when is Jesus returning? When's he coming back? And the third thing it talks about is how are we to live while we're waiting? And they're the three things we're going to look at today. How are we to live while we're waiting? And Donna's taken notes, so I want to give you some time to write those things down. You good? No, we can wait. We can wait. Tell us when you're ready. Go. Good. The first thing we're going to look at is the day of the Lord. Look at verse 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates... We do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is another day for judgment day. And in the Old Testament, from about 800 years before Jesus, God revealed to his people that there was going to be a day, a day of judgment and rescuing and salvation for God's people. Let me give you some accounts. 840 years before Jesus, Obadiah, in Obadiah chapter 15, he writes about the coming judgment upon Edom and the nations, but salvation for God's people. 800 years before Jesus in the book of Joel, Joel talks about judgment of Israel and the nations and final vindication of God and his people. 750 years before Jesus in the book of Amos, he talks about judgment upon the, upon the northern kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 13, 700 years before Jesus, he talks about judgment of Babylon and promises terror and wrath. In Zephaniah chapter 1, 630 years before Jesus, judgment comes coming upon Judah and the nations and yet refuge in the, and refuge in the Lord for all who humble themselves before him. 600 years before Jesus, in the book of Jeremiah, he talks about the judgment of Egypt 
and promises the Lord's vengeance. In 580 years before Jesus, in Ezekiel, he talks about the day of the clouds and a time of doom for the nations. False prophets have not prepared Israel for the day of the Lord, which is later portrayed as a time of doom for the nations. And then in Malachi 4, some 430 years before Jesus, it talks about the coming of the Lord himself, who brings justice, purifies worship, and claims those who are his. When the Old Testament talks about the day of the Lord, it's talking about God's judgment upon people, but also salvation and rescuing for those who belong to him. Jesus talks about the day. In Matthew chapter 10, he's, he's uh, talking to um, one of the peoples in the cities, and he says that it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you guys on that day. Because Sodom and Gomorrah didn't see Jesus, but you have seen Jesus in the flesh. So you're going to have a greater judgment than those who went before you on the day. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says this. He says, but I tell you that everyone, who, everyone, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. For every empty word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 25, he talks about the day when he separates the sheep and the goats. And then as we read the uh, New Testament, it's throughout the New Testament, Romans 14.10, Paul writes to the church in Rome, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all... Stand before God's judgment seat. 1 Corinthians 4. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. One more scripture from 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. Friends, this, this uh, theme of judgment is super clear in the Scriptures. And today there are people who preach this, this uh, half-truth where God is all about grace. And some people say, well, there's no hell, there is no judgment, because how could a loving God do those things? Friends, it's just not true. Because our, our theology should not be based on what we think or what we feel. Our theology needs to be based on the Word of God which sets us what is true and what is right and what we believe. And we go, that's true and that's false because the word of God, which is God's word to us, tells us. And the message I have and the message that Paul has from 1 Thessalonians is there is a day, there is a day of judgment. And every person who walked the planet will, ask, will be asked to give an account of how they've lived. And anyone who is not in Christ, the scripture says they'll be sent to the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible talks about it as eternal destruction. The Bible talks about it as separation from God. The Bible talks about it as hell. The Bible talks about it in horrible ways. And God doesn't want anyone to go there. The scripture says it is God's will that everyone will come to repentance. But that's up to the individual to come to repentance. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you have not yet committed your life to Jesus, well, Judgment Day is a scary day for you. And you should be afraid and you should take notice. And you need to get your life right with God. Because God is going to ask you to give an account. But the other side of that, 
is that if you are in Christ, if you belong to him, if he is your saviour, you are forgiven of your sin. It is being washed away. And on that day when you stand before him, you might be, able, you might be asked to tell about all the stuff that you've done, but God is still going to say, free from sin. Not guilty on the judgment seat, like a judge, guilty, not guilty on the day, not guilty, not because of my goodness, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. And for that, we say, God, we worship you for what you've done. We sing the song, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. That's our response. We praise him for all that he's done for us. Amen? Amen. Now, the scripture also talks about a judgment for believers, the believer's judgment. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about the judgment that every Christian will have. Super important part of the Bible. Super important part of the Bible. I want to read to you. It's five verses, 10 through 15. It says this. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. In other words, he's preached the gospel. And now other people are now preaching and and leading the church. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, notice gold, silver, stones, they're things that last in a fire. Then the next things, wood, hay, or straw, in a fire, those things get burned up. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day, judgment day, will bring it to light. It it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, if your work, when it is the fire comes through, if your work is like hay, straw, wood, it's going to be burnt up and you get no reward. But if it's like gold or silver or rocks, precious stones, you will receive a reward. I'll read that again. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. And my word for this are the hot bums. The Christians who have got hot bums, they've escaped the flames just. They're going to get into eternity, but because they don't get the rewards... What are these gold, silver, costly stones? These are the works that are when you are living out God's will for your life, where you're doing stuff for his glory, for his purpose. The wood, the hay, the straw is when you're living from your flesh, when you're doing stuff for what you benefit, stuff that makes you feel good. When you live your life, it's not honoring of God, you're going about stuff. That stuff you get nothing for in eternity. But when you live in this life and you choose to sacrifice and you say, God, I'm going to live for you, and you give and you serve and you honor and you lay down your life, you're rewarded for that in eternity. And how you live today will determine your eternity. Firstly, are you in or are you out? 
and my prayer is that you're in. But when you're in, your, your rewards in heaven will be determined by your willingness to surrender to him and say, yes, God, I'm living for you. Or you're living for yourself and you get no rewards for that in eternity. But the sacrifices, the Christ honoring, that's what you're rewarded for. And you know what? Eternity's forever. It's worth working for eternity. What are the rewards in eternity? I'm not sure. Maybe it's a better air conditioner. I don't know. Maybe it, you know, I get ocean views. Maybe, maybe you're closer to the throne room. Maybe. I don't know. But there will be rewards. And God's got that sorted, so we don't need to worry about that. But let's live in a way where we're rewarded on the day. Amen? That's the first thing we saw, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment. The second thing we see in this text, Paul says, he, he, he tells us when Jesus is returning. And he says four things here. Look at verse 1. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, like a thief in the night. Have you ever been robbed? That's a horrible feeling, being robbed. Has anyone ever stolen anything? Anyone ever broken into your house or broken into your car? I was down at a park refereeing soccer one day down in um, a park called Stewart Reserve in Padstow. And I refereed game and I came back and someone had, I had an old um, Holden VK Calais, really nice car, really old, but nice car, 1982 I think it was. And someone had punched through the, quarter, the, the back quarter panel, corner, quarter panel, whatever it's called, corner panel on the back window and they, and, they, and they went in the car. Now the alarm went off so they didn't take anything, but I had this, have they taken anything? What are they doing in my car? It's a weird feeling being broken into, yeah? And Paul writes here that Jesus' return is going to be like a thief in the night meeting, meaning it's, it's unexpected. Unexpected. See, if I knew someone was going to break into my car, I, was going to, I, would, I would have stood there and say, hi, mate, how you going? <laughs> or if you know someone's going to break into your house, you're going to be alert. You're going to have a, a few... Friends there, like big people like Marcelo maybe, to hang out at your house to protect you. Jesus says the first thing, it's going to be unexpected. It's going to come at a time when you least expect it. The next thing he says, look at the word. People, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. When, when people are going around saying everything's okay, you have nothing to worry about. Peace and safety is most probably a phrase they use in the first century about everything's okay. It's then. It's then when people don't expect it. Jesus is going to return. And then he describes it, and, and he, sorry, but you brothers and sisters, oh, go back. Labor pains. That's, that's the third thing I wanted to point out. As labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. You know, when a woman is pregnant, they're expecting the baby to come but they're unsure when it comes. And all of a sudden, boom, uh-oh, water breaks, contractions come. And again, Jesus is saying, Jesus, Paul is saying here that it is unexpected. We should know it's coming, like he says here in the next text in verse 4, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so, this, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You know, we should expect it to come. So when he comes, we shouldn't be surprised but we're still unsure of when he's coming. It's going to be a surprise that he's coming when he comes, but we, but we shouldn't be surprised that he comes because Jesus is coming. When, we don't know. The scripture says, Jesus says, only the Father knows when he's coming. People who have 
tried to tell us what day is coming, what date is coming, but the reality is we simply just don't know. God the Father knows, and when he knows, expect it to come, and expect it to come when you don't expect it. The third thing he says in this text is, how do you live while we're waiting? And here, he talks about darkness and night, and he talks about light and day. And he says that Christians, you guys are part of the day and part of the light. When I was a young guy in my early 20s, I went and visited a guy named Grant up in Port Macquarie, and he had a family. He had his family staying with him, and as a young 20-year-old, there was a nightclub we, we, we wanted to go to. And I remember the dad said to me, said something, he goes, Christians, you guys are not part of the night. You guys are part of the day. Why would you, why would you go to a nightclub? Meaning that lifestyle is not a Christ-honoring, not a Christ-honoring thing to do. And I didn't understand it at the time. I was a young believer, whatever, and we went and came home. It was all good. But he had maturity in Christ. And he talks about the behavior of the night. And a lot of dodgy stuff can happen at night, can't it? Parties and wild living. And that's Paul's point. A lot of, the, a lot of stuff wild can happen in the, in the daytime. But a lot of wild stuff happens at night. And he says, Christians, you're not part of the night. You're part of the day. That doesn't mean we shouldn't go out at nighttime or shouldn't be. I'm not saying that. We're talking about being part of the lifestyle that fits the night. Look what he says here in these texts. He says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Asleep there is of those who are asleep while they're still alive to the Lord. They're ignoring the Lord. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. You know, these things are protection. Put on faith and love because it protects you. If you keep loving, it protects you from bitterness. If you keep putting your faith in God, no matter what season, no matter what goes on around you, man, it keeps, your, it, it keeps you well, it keeps you sane, it keeps your mental health up, and, and it opens you up to God's best. I, was, I watched a, um, part, a podcast by a preacher named Bill Johnson, who we don't talk heaps about at this church, um, and he's from a church called Bethel, and he lost his wife um, a, a couple of weeks ago to cancer. And if you know Bethel Church, a, they have a massive emphasis on healing and God setting people free. And three days or four days after his wife died, Bill Johnson preached. And I was going, what's he going to say? Was it wise for him to preach three days after his wife died? How's he going to handle this? And as I watched, he started by saying, and I, don't, I, I can't quote it because I can't remember exactly what he said, but this moment, losing my wife, is not going to stop me continuing to put my faith in God and keep depending on him as, as, the, as our healer. You know, we all go through difficult seasons in life, but when we keep on having faith, we keep on having love, and then it talks about hope, which is our mindset on eternity. You know, it protects us from going to the left, going to the right. Living God's way is living the best way. And then he finishes in verse 9 talking about Jesus. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, anger, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and boot each other up. Just in fact, you are doing. So as we come to the end of this message, 
Thank you, Donna. As we come to the end of this message, where are you with the Lord today? We spent the vast majority of this time talking about the day, the day of the Lord Judgment Day. Are you ready for that day? Online, those watching online, are you ready for the day? The day of judgment. Are you ready? Come on down, worship team. I'm going to invite the band to lead us in a song. The band comes, it's such a distraction for those in the room, so we'll, we'll just say, of the elephant in the room, they're coming up. Welcome, guys. Hi, Rubes. Thanks, Thanks for leading us today. Awesome. As they set up, I really want you guys online, those in the room, to really just focus. And I want you to consider, maybe close your eyes. Close your eyes and just consider, are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready for the day of judgment? The day you stand before God, are you ready? You know, the first thing you need to ask is, am I in Jesus? The first thing we need to ask is, am I in Jesus? Have I been forgiven of sin? And if you're not sure today, whether you're online or in, in the room, I want to give you the opportunity to make your salvation sure and secure. If you want to make your salvation sure and secure, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that's the first step. If you pray that prayer, welcome to God's family. You now have relationship with us because you're in Christ. God's invited you, welcomed you in a new family. And you also have relationship with Him. Sin forgiven. And on that, on that day of judgment, you have nothing to fear. You know, and today, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, that's the first step in your journey. We want to help you in that step. We want to help you in that journey of following Him. We're going to have a time of prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I invite you to come and stand with someone, to, someone on the prayer team. And if you prayed that online, I encourage you to click on the box and prayer. And in that prayer tab, just write, I prayed the prayer. And one of our hosts, Julie or Greg O'Donnell, will get alongside you and support you and help you take the next step in this journey. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close. Father, we want to thank you for your scriptures today. We thank you that it points to the day of judgment. And Father, I want to pray that each person will live in a way that honors you, that each, each person will live in a way that pleases you. And as, for the Christians, we'll live in a way knowing that we have rewards in eternity. And in this life, that we'll sacrifice, that we will surrender, that we will, that we will give, that, we'll, that we would serve you with this life, knowing, knowing that we will be rewarded in the one to come. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If those online, we say bless you guys. Thanks for being part of this today. We'll see you next time. We'll say goodbye now. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.